Welcome to the Green Industry Podcast. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take their businesses to the next level. Join us as we chat with green industry leaders to discover best practices and practical strategies to maximize profits. Now, here's your host, Paul Jamison. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Green Industry Podcast. We are in for a treat today. We're going to chat with Nick Carlson. He's the founder of MulchMate and Dawson Manufacturing. And we're actually going to do a separate episode in the very near future and hear the MulchMate story. It's very inspiring. If you're an entrepreneur, you're going to just feel like Superman, pump your chest up and be like, yeah, go Nick. It's a really cool story. But today we're actually going to talk about how to build a successful lawn care and landscaping business and how to sell it. That's right. Nick sold his business and started MulchMate, and he's going to share with us what he learned from that process, what he did right, what he could have done better, and he's got a bunch of golden nuggets for us about actual building the successful lawn care company. He's going to share with us some strategies for billing and invoicing, what mix of services you should consider to offer to you know hit those high profit margins and why you should offer each service. And Nick's also going to share with us what your company should be named and why. And he's got a whole bunch of gems. Just a very, very wise fella that built a very successful business. So this is really exciting. You know, a lot of us start our business and we're not really thinking, well, maybe one day I'm going to sell this thing, but you never know what's going to happen. Maybe you're going to get a divine idea like Nick had, or maybe you're going to need to move states, or you never know what could happen. It could be a health complication. There's so many reasons why we want to build our business from the early days with the foundation that one day, if we want to sell it, we'll be able to sell it. And so Nick's going to definitely help us with that path. Thanks again to Hardscape Academy for sponsoring today's episode. We appreciate Caleb and Brittany Allman. Now they got you covered with the resources. If you want to learn more about hardscaping, maybe you want to build a retaining wall the right way. Maybe you want to do some stone patio pavers. Caleb's got you covered with the videos that you can download immediately and learn all of that. He's also got an apprenticeship program. You want to come up to Columbus, Ohio for a few days. He provides the lodging and he'll teach you out on the job site in the office. He'll actually do one-on-one training with you in the apprenticeship program. And of course, you can do one-on-one coaching calls with my guy, Caleb Allman. So that's all available at the Hardscaping Academy. We're going to put the link in today's show's notes. Also, you're going to hear Nick and I chat and he's a he's got a booth indoor-outdoor at the GIE. And uh, folks have been you know asking me, all the time. Are we having GIE this year? And I know there's a lot going on in society, but I stay in close, you know, communication with Chris Kaiser, who oversees the OPEI and Warren Sellers, who helps, you know, run the event. And all I'm getting is thumbs up, green lights. We're having GIE 2020 in out Louisville, Kentucky. So we're going to hear a word from them as well real quick and then get into my interview with Nick Carlson. The hardscapeacademy.com is the place to go to become the next professional hardscaper. Check out Caleb Allman's How to Install Pavers and How to Install Retaining Walls Comprehensive Guides. You will learn all the techniques and information necessary to perform the installation of these features based on industry standards, including tips and tricks that Caleb has learned over the past 20 years of hardscaping. The courses are immediately available via online streaming for just $99 each. Go to thehardscapeacademy.com and that link is in today's show notes. Hey, lawn and landscape pros. I'm talking to you. Don't let your edge go tall. Your competitive edge. Sharpen your edge at the GIE Plus Expo this October 21st through the 23rd in Louisville, Kentucky. Understand the word coming out of my mouth. 
innovative products, latest technology. Talk face-to-face with engineers that design your favorite equipment. Then step outside and dive into the hands-on demo area. Where you can drive, dig, and compare equipment to your heart's delight. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. This year, the wow gets even bigger with the new UTV test track. The hands-on drone zone. And free parking. Register now at GIE-Expo.com. And we'll see you in Louisville, Kentucky this October. And if you'd like to get 50% off your GIE registration for 2020, all you got to do is use the promo code Paul. That's right. The promo code Paul is going to get you 50% off your 2020 GIE registration. That link is in today's show's notes. Without further ado, here's our interview with Nick Carlson. All right, guys, we're here with Mr. Mulch Mate, Nick Carlson, and you're driving somewhere. Where are you going, man? Uh, hey, Paul. So we're, we're actually getting ready to head down to a uh, metal supply place to get some uh, prototype parts that we're hopefully going to be able to unveil at GIE this year. Okay. we who, Who's in the car with you? So right now I have my father with me and uh, my top guy, Sam. We, uh, we actually just literally just finished eating lunch. I'm going to drop them off at the shop while we're talking. Okay. And uh, they're pulling out some big fuel tanks and gas tanks that we use to weld the cart mates together. And, uh, and then I'm going to hit the road. Awesome. Well, this is real life, man. Are they on the speaker? Can they hear me? Are you? Oh yeah. All right. What's yeah. up guys. Welcome to the show. How's it going? What's going on? Yeah. Welcome to the green industry podcast. Yes, sir. We, we just keep it real around here. I don't know if you ever noticed with anything we put on social media, we edit like almost nothing. It's so we just like to keep it raw and real. Yeah. Well, I, I loved your episode on the Fullerton Unfiltered podcast. Shout out to my guy, Brian Fullerton. And you know, you said just post on social media as much as you can. It's free marketing. So it is, it truly is. And that's, you know, my goal is to try to post once a day and, and give value and, and, you know, share good content. So awesome. Well, I want to reverse engineer this story. You live there in Maryland, kind of right where all that government money is, the wealthy part of Maryland up there. And uh, you ended up selling your company. So let's start with your uh, landscaping story. I got a little echo here, Nick. Oh, I'm sorry. The guys are just getting out of the truck. And oh, is I got the echo okay now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to hear the story of your landscaping company. And I want to know if you could go back and start all over what you would do different so you can sell it at top dollar. Gosh. So one of the major, major things that I learned after I sold my business that uh, I kind of openly admit a lot is I, I really kept to myself when I was in business in the landscape industry and, and growing my business. And I really wish I would have connected more with other businesses and had more like think tank meetings with people. I would have, I would have kind of pull together better information quicker and would have been able to grow faster, uh, if I would have done that. So that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I had ever made. Um, but as far as growing a company from, you know, zero from an idea all the way up to, let's say, you know, a million dollar company. Um, the biggest thing that I learned with all that was you've got to look at it from day one, like you're going to sell it tomorrow. And what I mean by all that is selling a business, you're, it's hard for someone to step in and, and run things the way you run them unless you develop like a playbook, a day-by-day log of what you do. And it all simply starts with the thing that I've learned is take notes daily. And then at the end of the day, almost write a journal of what you did, why you did it and all your thoughts. Mm. And when I figured all this out, um, it was really, really hard to go from just all I'm trying to do is keep in business to 
I've got to put everything that's in my brain down on paper. Sucking that information out of your brain has was the hardest thing I had ever, ever done. Mm. So let's start with just guy. I mean, we got guys listening to the show from all over, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, USA. And I get asked the question a lot. I mean, guys that are just starting off, I heard your story with the broom, you know, I mean, these guys are just starting <laughs> off with a mower and the pickup truck and a weed eater and a blower. What yeah, should they, yeah. what, what should you even name your company? Should you name it Carlson Landscaping, Carlson Land, Lawn Care? Should you not have your last name in the company? So when you go to sell it, it can be, you know, Maryland's Landscape Pros or whatever. What, what, let's start with just naming it. What, what's a good name to start with so you can sell it one day if you decide to? You know, that's, that is a fantastic question. And one that is, is in my opinion, could be completely controversial. Um, I, I am a big, big believer in not naming the business after yourself. Because at the end of the day, when you go to sell the company, if it's called you know, Nick Carlson Landscaping, well, when you sell the company or, or try to sell it, everyone believes that Nick Carlson is the guy to go to and the whole company ends up revolving around you. Mm-hmm. And that adds a lot of stress. That adds a lot of expectation. And in business, managing the expectations is one of the biggest keys. And so my suggestion was, and this is what I, I did from day one, was I named my company Laser Cut Lawn Care at 15 years old. And the reason I named it that was back then I wanted to make a laser cutting lawnmower. That was the whole idea behind it. So what, what had happened was we had ended up going from a lawn care company into a more of a maintenance, property maintenance, uh, hardscaping landscape business. So I ended up changing the company name to laser cut property services. And so with these guys that are just starting out, you know, think about, instead of thinking about, I just want to make money. Think about, well, I want to make money and I want to be able to create a a valuable, tangible thing, which is your business. And what I've always said is data. You're collecting data. Do not let anybody go through your system without getting full name, address, you know, email. And I know this sounds very juvenile, but I even I slipped up on this years ago because at the end of the day, that data is what you're selling. And that's what everybody's interested in because when they do their due diligence to buy your company, that's what they're looking at. So, so that's one of the first major components. Yeah. So when you went to sell your company, what was the information that the potential buyers were really wanting to know? They wanted to know all about cash flow, how much cash on hand do we have? Um, you know, what what the contracts look like? Were they yearly contracts? They, you know, two, three, four, five year contracts? Were they commercial, residential? You know, strengths did those contracts hold? So take it this way. The biggest contracts that laser cut property services had were HOA, huge townhome condo association contracts. And those contracts, they're, they're not just keeping the grass cut, edging everything, blowing everything, picking up leaves in the fall. It was, that was just a door, a doorway, a, a, you know, gate, if you will, to big landscape improvement contracts. And so I knew every time I picked one of those up, there's always going to be a budget for, landscape improvements. Mm. And that's where you make big, big, big money. And then on top of that, around here in Maryland, especially, I'm not sure so much sure in, in Georgia, but we get a lot of snow here, typically, typically last year, not so much. Um, but every time I picked up a, a contract, it would come with a snow removal contract. Mm. And so that led to even more dollars. And, and so you had to build this trust with, you know, the HOA, you had to build the trust with the management company. And that's what helps sell your business because you have all these contracts in place. So you're saying it's good to have contracts, you know, on record, and then it's good to have 
the name, first name, last name, phone number, email, that's a good setup right there and not have your name in the name of the business. Exactly. And, and here's, here's a, another big component that I, I study big time. So th- this is, this is like super deep in the weeds information that I, I kind of really hammer on. And it goes back to the basics of a human being. When you're a child and you learn your first words, typically it's mama, dad, dad, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at these, these companies' names of these huge corporations, it's Pepsi, Coca-Cola. It, it's typically two syllables, and they typically start with the same letter, like mulch, mate. And so when you have a brand, not only are you building a business, you're trying to build a brand, something that people trust. And so if you notice, like in NASCAR, if anybody listens to or watches NASCAR, all the race cars typically are red or blue or white. And the reason that is those are the most prominent colors that grab your attention. So your logo, you know, if you're green, you have a green logo on a green grass lawn, it kind of fades away. So like my logo was orange and blue. So I like orange, a little bit more than red. And so you combined the whole mama, dad, dad comment and, and understand brain will relate to, and then you combined it with a good name and a good logo. That's simple that people understand that's eye catching and, and you can absorb it real well. And the biggest thing of all is this logo needs to be able to be embroidered into a shirt that the, you know, the logo can be a half inch tall or it can be 15 foot tall and it's scalable. Mm. So if you have too, too much, like a lot of people like to put grass in their logo and that makes it messy. It makes it um, kind of confusing to the human brain. And so you have to kind of clean that up and a cleaner logo will help the business thrive big time when you're developing your business as a, you know, as a, as a new business owner. Mm. And need a golden nuggets here, Nick. <laughs> well, you, you, I know it sounds crazy, but it's, it's extremely important to get the little things right because nothing big happens without the little things being right. Yeah. And you're saying clean, you know, clean logo, simple logo, generalized name so you can sell it one day. And when you started this as a teenager, did you think, Oh, I'm going to be doing this the rest of my career. Do you think this is just a little side hustle or do you think, Oh, I'm going to sell this one day. What was your mindset starting out? When I started, the entire business was started simply to fund a, a small race team that I, I raced in. So I, I personally have a NASCAR license, um, drove in a, in a weekly NASCAR racing series. And the, the landscaping business was simply to fund the race team because I was, as far as I was concerned, I was going to be a NASCAR driver and I was going to the pop and it, nothing was going to get in my way. And in 2007, I was 20, 21 in 2007 and I watched the entire economy just explode in front of me. And I thought, uh Oh, this isn't good. And what had happened was all of my racing buddies, I was watching them bag groceries and work at, you know, McDonald's. And I'm going, this, this, this isn't the life that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, you know, I got this little landscape thing on the side. I'm making a few hundred thousand dollars a year over here let me see what I can do with it. And so I started to double down on the landscape business and kind of turn my, my vision away from racing. And it turned out to be very lucrative. And I I learned how to make a lot of money 
doing landscaping because there, man, there is a lot, a lot of jobs out there. Yeah, let me ask you about that, kind of diving deep into your business as, as you were expanding the landscaping business. What's a good mix of, of things to specialize in? You know, I know Maryland's climate is a little different, but mulch and cutting the grass or just doing landscape enhancements or what you kind of find was your sweet spot where you were doing work that you were getting good profits at within, you know, what, what, what services were you offering where you're like, okay, that's good money right there? So I can tell you this, it's, there's, there's making good money and then there is doorways to get you to more jobs to make you more money. And so how I looked at it was the grass cutting side of my business, which was fairly big, it paid the bills. It paid the bills, but what it really did was it opened the door to more profitable jobs. And there were two main things that made the most amount of money. Uh, turf treatments, you know, fertilizing, and any kind of landscape hardscape. So hardscaping was extremely lucrative. The one issue with it is stone is expensive. And most customers just don't quite realize that. And so you that's more of a long play. That's you got to nurture the customer through the process and help educate them and understand, okay, you know, when we put the stone in, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to cost you three times more than normal, but it is going to add value to your home. It's going to add, add resale to your home. And it's actually going to, you know, collectively help, you know, grow the value of your home where the landscape stuff would be, you know, if you're doing a perennial install, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go in, and, and the biggest thing of all with the perennials and the annuals, choosing what landscape, one of, and this is another little nugget for you, that I, what I did was I would do basically the same landscape design on every single project. Mm. I had a group of plants that I knew that in my little area in Annapolis, Maryland, uh, I knew that these plants loved the soil. They loved each other. They took the same fertilizers and, you know, treatments as each other. So you, like, if you have roses, roses are going to take, you know, one style of, of a you know, herbicide, and then there's going to be, you know, liriope, like a variegated liriope. They're going to want something different. And so what I had done was I collect, put together this collection of plants that I knew customers loved because they bloomed at different times. And then they also were easy to maintain. Everybody wants low maintenance. And so every customer literally got the same exact package. And when you stick to that same package and everybody likes it, they're going to tell their friends and then they're going to give, you're going to give their friends the same package and it's just going to continue to go and they're going to continue to like it. And it just, it's a successful circle, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's, that's a nugget, right? Man, Nick, you're, you're full of these gems here. So what I hear you saying is the grass cutting is kind of the foundation just to be, be seen, be known, develop these relationships. And then, the high profit margins are the landscape and hardscape installs. Exactly. And they kind of go hand in hand together um, because, you know, some people, when you have a good grass cutting crew and they're, they're out there doing a great job every single week, the customer, their, their guard is down. They're, they're comfortable with you. It almost feels like family. Mm -hmm. And so when, when they're ready to move forward with a landscape project, you've already got your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. You're, you've already got that that cutting edge over all the competition because they, let's face it, people want to feel comfortable. No one likes to feel uneasy. And so when you have the grass cutting, man, and, and thing is, the cool thing is, too, is you're going to make more money off the current customer list you have now than you will trying to 
gather new customers. New customers are very expensive to get, but it's once you get them, it's easy to keep them as long as you keep them keep them informed, keep them up to date. Like what I would do is I would send out videos every single week and tell my customers, hey, it looks like we're going to have a really rainy week this week. Here's our plan of attack for everyone's lawn. If you're a Thursday, Friday cut, you're more than likely going to get cut, you know, Saturday or Sunday or even maybe Monday. And you're, you're basically just keeping everybody up to date and keeping them comfortable. You would email the video or how would you distribute those? I would email it to everybody. So wow. everybody would get a, a video every week uh, via, uh, via email. I never, I never mailed anything by paper. I never did paper invoicing. It was all digital. Easy segue for me there, Nick. I get asked all the time about invoicing. Do, tell us what you found worked the most efficiently with billing. How did you charge your customers? Did you have them prepay? Uh, and then the second question I want to get into on, on these landscape installations, did you do 50% down, 50% of completion? Or what did you do when the jobs were, you know, uh, north of a thousand and the bigger jobs? How did you collect the money on those? Tell, tell us about your billing tips here while you're passing for, out these for gems. Sure. <laughs> for sure. No problem. So, uh, starting with, um, oh gosh, what was the first question? B billing. How did you collect billing. up front or the day you did this, the, the, on the lawn mowing side? Okay. So the pa paper versus digital. I used to do paper. It takes forever and it's very expensive. Customers don't have time to stop, slice open an envelope, pull it out, pull a checkbook out, right? Those days are long gone. You can't afford it. They can't afford it. And so we went all digital. So the biggest thing is, is setting the expectation from day one when you get a new customer and you explain to them, this is our process. We build this way. We, you know, you get contacted from us from this point of contact, whether it's through Facebook or email. I chose email. Um, we use something called Service Autopilot mm -hmm. uh, in conjunction with QuickBooks. And so every Friday, the landscaping uh, jobs would get invoiced on Friday and then the grass cutting would be done the third week of every month. And so we would just simply click the button and I could hear when my, my secretary would click it because it would go and it would be hundreds of emails just automatically get sent out mm. and then they would get charged and we would keep a credit card on file that we'd get from day one and it would just automatically charge the customer, you know, whatever services that they had approved. And they would, again, they would sign it digitally and that way there was no you know, waiting for a signature, no paper, none of that jazz. That's awesome. And then how did you do the uh, pricing on the, on the landscape installs? Let's say you did the, the plant groupings that you had and the mulch. I mean, I'm sure that came out to a couple grand on, on these yards. How did, did you collect 50% up front and then the 50% just collect all of it at the end? What, what was, what you, what was your process there? These are so questions we, we get asked all the time, Nick, that I, people it, are going to appreciate really, your expertise. Yeah, sure, no problem. So it's really simple, and this is this is how again you've got to manage expectations of the customer, and you've got to make sure that you keep them in a nice comfortable zone. Comfortable means if you take fifty percent of the job up front, they're going to feel like they're getting ripped off. It's like, wow, this guy just took half this job already. And so here's what I did: when we sign a contract, say say it was a thousand dollar contract, I would take thirty three percent. At the day I signed the contract. So you sign it, I get a check for $333 and I say, okay, I'll, I'm going to get you on the books. I'll let you know when we plan on starting, it's going to have a couple day buffer. 
I'm going to go ahead and get the materials ordered, you know, sir, ma'am, whoever I'm talking to. And then once the material is ordered and on site, that's when I take my second 33, uh, 33% draw is when the material shows up at the job. Mm-hmm. Once that material shows up and we're working and we, we complete the entire job, I sit down with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, whoever it is, and I walk them through the project, say, this is what we did, da, 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 da. Are you happy? And they would say, yes, everything looks great. I'd say, okay, now we need that final installment, uh, you know, for that job. You know, here's the invoice and the job's done. That's awesome. You're making me sound smart. That's what I do too. 33, exact, exact same structure there. So that's it, awesome. It depends, it depends on where you're at too. Um, you know, geographically, uh, mm-hmm. some states will not allow you to take 50% up front. Right. It's actually against the law in some areas. So yeah. California, that's big out there, man. They got to be careful. Very careful with that. And, and people have been burned and you got to remember that, that sometimes people might have a sour taste in the mouth from a previous contractor and, and it's your job to kind of, kind of fix them. And so that's how you go about it. And, and you let them know all this upfront, whether it's through a video and just a, an in, uh, intro video to a new customer and say, Hey, this is all about us. Here's a video about who we are and what we stand for and just kind of helps drop their guard and makes them feel comfortable. Man, this is really helpful, Nick. So tell us the story then of how you sold the company. What was that? Why did you want to sell it? And then how did you sell it? And kind of in review, you're like, ah, maybe I could have done that a little bit better, but I'm happy how it turned out. Just tell us the story here. So the, the business, I wasn't planning on selling the business because I was making plenty of money. I was happy. Um, the, the one thing I, I was getting tired, to be honest, um, I, I was trying to grow at an exponential rate and, and it was, I was just, I was getting kind of tired and then the mulch mate project came to be. And so I kind of looked at my time and said, okay, I have a wife, I have a kid on the way. Something's got to give. I, I'm basically, I don't have any more hobbies cause I'm, I'm doing work. I'm, you know, being a husband and, and a new father, I'm trying to learn how to be a new father. Um, and I've got this new project called Mulchmate on the side and it's going to take every minute of my time and I need to focus. I need to stay laser, laser focused on what I, what I want and what's going to help me, you know, in the future. And so in April of 2017, um, I contacted a business broker. His name is Bob. And I said, Bob, I've never sold a business, sir. I, I think I have a a sellable business here, but I need you to come look at it and and let me know if if this is even, if this dream is even possible. And so he came in and looked at all of our books. Uh, He even went to job sites with me, watched the crews, how they worked, what the system was like. And, and he goes, you know, Nick, I can't ever remember a time in my 40 years of selling businesses that I've ever seen a guy be able to sell, actually sell, a landscape business, not, not just the equipment because like landscape businesses get sold all the time, but typically it's the, it's the equipment that you're buying. Mm-hmm. Um, not the business, the system. And he goes, Nick, you've got one heck of a system in place here. I think we can do this. And so he put together uh, you know, a plan of attack on, on how we could do this. And his question to me was, why are you selling it? And I said, it's simple, Bob. Mulch mate needs every, ounce of my being to make it happen because I'm creating a, a new category that no one's even Googling. And so that was the reason I had sold it. Um, 
just simply laser focus. I had to be focused on it. So we uh, we went to work, and it took it took probably a good six months of you know pecking away through different offers and just people being very ridiculous when they offer because there's always sharks out there trying to scoop up you know vulnerable people that don't know what they're doing, mm-hmm. and so you have to be very guarded. You have to put like Bob. Bob was a very good person to put in place. He was my safety net. since I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And so you have to find trustworthy people. Um, you know, I had a good CPA that got involved that, you know, if Bob stumbled, the CPA could pick up the pieces for me and vice versa. Uh, Bob had advised the CPA. And uh, because I didn't know what I was doing, and if people listening, if you don't, if you're looking to sell a business or even build the business up to be sold, you know, talk to a business broker now and say, Hey, I'd like to sell one day. What do I got to do? It, it, those convers they want to have those conversations because they want to help sell your business one day because they're probably not going to make money on it. And so you, you put all those pieces together and, and that's how the, the, the sale of my business came together. The one thing that I, I, I don't know if I regret, but just looking back on, I could have paid a little bit more attention to was when, when we were selling the company, I, I had gotten very antsy about trying to get the thing sold. And I thought, man, I just wanted to sell. I want to be like a, like a car. You take it to CarMax, you sign a paper and it goes, well, that's just not how that works. Mm-hmm. And I'm young, I'm super aggressive. And, and one of the things that I, I missed was something in the, in the contract. And I, it caught, co- it cost me, probably cost me $85,000 in the sale. And, and I wish that I would have just took my time and, and read every line of that contract, um, three or four times, you know, don't rush it. You know, they're going to try to rush you. Take your time. It's your business. It's your time. Just take it easy. <laughs> that's my, that's my one little nugget, if you will, on the actual sale of the business. Take your time. It, it will happen. What a sharp fellow that Nick Carlson is, man. That was a good interview right there. I think it's so important that we keep the end in mind because you never know if you're going to sell your landscaping business one day. You never know. Maybe you don't want to and you want to pass it on to your son, but maybe he wants to sell it one day. At least set the next generation up and you never know. There could be an injury. There could be a move. There could be another opportunity and so on. You want to make sure that if you need to sell it, that it's going to be worth the maximum. It's just due diligence. That's just smart planning right there. So I really appreciate Nick's insight on how we can actually build the foundation of our business so that it's sellable at the highest price point if we decide to sell it one day. He also dropped, you know, good tips of, you know, what you should name your company, what mix of services that they did and why, how they do their billing and invoices. So Really appreciate uh, Nick and uh, looking forward to, we're going to do another interview with him very soon. Uh, Keep an eye out for that where he actually then tells the mulch mate story, which is a very inspiring story. So be keeping an eye out for that. Well, I talk all the time about raising prices. It's smart to, I got this from Matt LaMarche, man. This guy is a sharp businessman. And he, I used to be in this uh, group with him and we'd always be talking business. He's in real estate now, but he was one thing that he always just drilled into my brain is he's like, I'm going to, you know, teach my customers that to expect that I'm going to raise their prices. And he was constantly raising their prices and they were constantly sticking with him. I'm like, how is he doing it? And, and he did it and he's crushing it. And so I kind of use some of Matt's best practices. I have a rate increase letter that I 
email my customers. I used to mail it to them, but now I email it to them. And I had created this so you can just plug and play with it. You can put your logo on it. You can put your name. It says insert name here, insert date here. And then you email it to your customers just to let them know there's a slight bump. There's a slight rate increase. And it's really professionally crafted. And it's, it's really, your customer is going to read it. And we've been very successful with it. And they just read it. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Of course. Paul's going to bump his price a little bit. And bam, then they're, you know, in the loop with that. But you don't want to let a year go by and you don't raise your rates. Uh, it's just always good to do it consistently, gradually, incrementally. I mean, inflation's going up. We're trying to be as profitable as possible. And so it's good to, uh, we call them Matt LaMarche. We call them the smash it. That's one of the best things I learned from my buddy, Matt, is to constantly be raising your rates and you just do it gradually. They'll, your customers will be on board if you communicate it in a professional way. And so anyway, it's only 20 bucks for the rate increase letter. And uh, you can insert your date, the name, the logo, your company name, all that information. And then bam, we have the uh, body of the text there written out in a way that's been very successful for us. So you can get that at greenindustrypodcast.com. If you want to do one-on-one coaching with me, that's also available at uh, greenindustrypodcast.com. And uh, don't forget GIE Expo coming up October 21 through 23 in Louisville, Kentucky. You can get 50% off your registration. That's half off with the promo code Paul. So we appreciate you listening. And as always, Caleb and Brady Allman, thanks for sponsoring this episode of the Green Industry Podcast, the Hardscape Academy links in the show's notes as well. Nick Carlson links in the show's notes as well. We appreciate all these ratings and reviews you all have been dropping. We're having a blast. More content coming your way soon. Smash that subscribe button.